Hey, one of the things that I always want us to be about um, is, one, just to be real and authentic, but uh, uh, two, just to, if you ever feel a, <clears throat> a prompt uh, to do something, if you ever feel led to do something um, and it's not sinful um, and it lines up with scripture, I want to encourage you to, to step out in faith and do it. And uh, there was a person um, that just came to me during the prayer time and said, hey, does this line up with you? And, you know, uh, what do you think about this? And, and it did. And I just wanted to throw this out. And I don't know all the practical ways of how to do this. Uh, but the Adams were sharing about their trip and plan on staying in, in a home. And now you have probably added expenses. And so this person said, can we take up an offering and just bless them with some, some resources uh, financial resources just as they go off to Iowa um, because there's going to be some unexpected things or have already been some unexpected things. So um, <clears throat> there are buckets. So Zane, why don't you grab a bucket, a couple buckets and thanks bud. So you can, you can take this bucket and we'll pass it around this side and I'm going to take it around this bucket and you guys pass it around this side. And I did hear someone say um, something about Venmo. Do you guys do have Venmo? Yes, you do. Okay. So, okay. Do you know your, your code or whatever? Okay. Here's what we'll do. Um, Mallory, you unplug the laptop, make a new slide with their Venmo, and then we're going to put it up there. Does that sound good? So if you have Venmo, if you don't have money, cash, and you want to give, their Venmo is going to go up on the screen and you can Venmo. Does that make sense? And if you're wondering what Venmo is, don't worry about it because you're not going to give that way. Uh, but I know there are some people in this room that only give through Venmo or do things through Venmo, and that's totally cool too. So uh, you can do that. So um, yeah, we just want to bless you guys as you uh, as you head out. And uh, there's obvious, um, obviously more expenses that have come up. So um, yeah, so don't be distracted by what they're doing up here. So. Um, so Zane, you come up here a second because you're, you're also going to be part of this message. I told Zane that he's going to share something uh, today. And it does actually fit with uh, the message. And so you always wonder, like, you know, should you give a child a, a microphone? You just never know what they're going to say. And I just never know what Zane is going to say. So, but um, he's going to share. But I want to set this up this way. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, there were kids playing in our basement, which is normal. And all of a sudden, you know, you could hear some noises and different things that were going on. And all of a sudden, there was a huge commotion. And there was screaming and yelling and I think celebrating is what was coming up through the, the, the floor um, and, and down into the basement. And I'm like, oh, what is that? Like, all of a sudden, there was a noticeable change in uh, the tone downstairs. And again, like normally that's not good. It's like, okay, I got to go downstairs and referee some fight or like figure something out or solve a problem like lost debit card and then license. Um, <laughs> but like usually it's like, okay, what's going on? But this time it was something different. And um, let's just say this. I just set this up. Zane likes to, and maybe there's people that you know, he loves to take a, a half filled water bottle and just flip it. Okay. And just flip it. You know, and, and try to, to land it on its bottom. And, and he's pretty successful at that. But why don't you tell uh, the crew here what you were doing down in the basement? So, so we were trying to land a cap on cap. Um, yeah, can you explain that? Um, a cap on cap is like when you cap it on what about like this. And um, it took a 
about 200 tries to um, get that. Okay. And what happened? How did you feel? What, what, what happened? I felt great. You did it. You were able to land it. You were able to land it, right? Mm-hmm. And it landed like this? Yes. Seriously? Yes. You didn't put it on top of it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> now, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, you flip a water bottle, and that's fine. And you land it. But would any of you ever think, like, that's possible? Like, that you can land, like, flip a, a bottle cap on top of a bottle cap. Like, I look at that, and I'm like, one, I'm not going to take a lot of time to do that. I don't have a lot of time to get to that. But two, I was like, there's no way. Like, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, that's a waste of time. This is never going to happen. It's just never going to work. Um, I'm wondering, like, this morning, since it's kind of a family service, does anybody have any other stories, um, funny or actually serious, too, so a time when they saw something that they thought was impossible become possible? Anybody? Oh, come up here, Tabitha. I've walked enough. I'm not, I'm not coming back there. <laughs> So in 2007, John was unemployed, and he worked at a church at the time, and um, we parted ways, and we were praying for a job, and there was a job opportunity that came, and John and I did not feel peace about it, and we asked God, we prayed together and asked God specifically for a neon sign. We wanted a neon sign to go in our front yard, and the next day, um, we were called by a friend of John's. John was called by a youth director friend and asked to go to Neon, Kentucky on a service project for the summer. So he sent us a neon sign. Pretty impossible, huh? That's impressive. That is impressive. I love the specific ways that God uh, works and moves. Anybody else? Justin, I almost should be like one for family, but you know, we'll see. No one else was raising their hand, so. So last spring, as I was looking for colleges just to go to, I had two in mind. One was Trinity, one was Cornerstone, and uh, the finances were just not there. I wanted to go to Cornerstone. I was going to be on the bowling team. I was going to have a lot of fun, and it still would have costed me like $10,000 plus loans. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, not, I'm really not feeling that. And uh, Mike actually talks about uh, fear. That Sunday that I was trying to figure out, okay, what college do I want to go to? I was scared to go to Trinity. I'm like, this can be too far. I don't like Chicago. I don't like cities. I don't like traffic. I don't want to go there. I was very much afraid. And I was afraid about the money. I'm like, I don't want to have to pay off this loan for the next 20, 30 years. And that Sunday afternoon, right after that sermon, I'm like, okay, I feel a lot of peace about Trinity. Things are going well. I get a call from the president of Trinity saying that he awarded me a half-tuition scholarship that fully paid it off. That's awesome. I, I love those stories, and there's so many other ones. Um, you know, just times when, when you, you come across a person and, and you share something, and then they're like, how did you know? How did you even know, like, you know, what to share, or that word was, was specifically for me, or whatever? You know, there are so many times when God moves into our lives and all of a sudden we see the supernatural in the, midst of the, uh, in, our, in the midst of our natural lives. And this whole week I've been thinking about the Christmas story 
And, and just reading uh, after the, out of the, the first uh, couple chapters of Luke. And there is a verse that hit me that I just want to highlight and just challenge us with uh, this morning on this last Sunday of 2021 as, as, as we get into the new year. And it's this verse from Luke 1 verse 37. And it's just one verse. And it says uh, this. Um, we'll get back to that. So thanks for putting that up there. It says this. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I, I read that. And really the, the challenge that, that hit me and the challenge that I want to leave with all of us today is do we believe that? Do we believe Luke 1.37 that nothing is impossible with God. And, and not only do we believe it like up here, because I can look at that verse and be like, yeah, nothing's impossible with God. But I want to challenge us even further and, and ask, do we really believe it in the depths of our heart where it leads us to live differently? Do we in, engage our days walking around asking like, okay, God, nothing's impossible with you. So, so where do you want to move? How are you going to move in my life today? How are you going to move, move through my life today? Because I believe nothing is impossible with you. And this passage comes on the, the heels of the angel appearing to Mary and telling Mary, like, you're going to have a baby. You're going to give birth to uh, Jesus. And the Savior is coming into this world. And, and then Mary asks a question like, okay, God, how is this going to work? Because, you know, I, you know, and you guys know the story. And you can explain it to your kids if you want to. Um, and then, then the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you fall on you, which again, like to me, ask more questions. It's like, okay, how's that going to all work? But the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. And out of that sharing, the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. And this isn't just, there's just, there's so many impossible moments that become possible all throughout the Christmas story. I mean, you back up a little bit further in the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth and Zechariah, John the Baptist's parents. One day, Zechariah is going into the temple, and both of them are from priestly families, and Zechariah is a priest. And he goes to the temple one day, and he is selected to go into the Holy of Holies. I mean, this was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were older. Um, Bible says that they're advanced in years, uh, which is a polite way of saying it, I guess. That they're, they're just older, probably between 60 and 70 they had no kids, and they had wanted children, but they had no children. And at that time, uh, in that culture, um, it was looked upon poorly on them. Like, okay, you don't have kids, so there must be something wrong with you. And here Zechariah goes into the temple, and an angel appears. Now, if you were a priest and an angel appeared when you were going into the Holy of Holies, this was not a good thing because it probably meant that you weren't clean and you hadn't performed a sacrifice to atone for your sins. And so pretty shortly, you were going to die. But Zechariah goes is face to face with Gabriel. And Gabriel says, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been heard. Sorry, your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give birth to a child. And, and Zechariah asks the question, like, okay, how is this going to happen? Like, we're older. He goes, I'm old and my wife is advanced in years. Which I thought was a pretty respectful way of Zechariah to say it. Like, he doesn't call his wife old. He says she's advanced in years. But then... 
all of a sudden he's, because of his unbelief, he's not allowed to speak. He comes out of the temple um, and people are seeing him and they're like, something just happened. Something went on and he's making hand motions and eventually Elizabeth gives birth to John the Baptist. The impossible becomes possible. And it's assumed that they're probably between 60 and 70 years old. Older people giving birth to a child, the impossible becomes the possible. I want to highlight another passage where um, we see uh, this verse again, where it says that nothing is impossible with God. In Luke 18, if you have a Bible, you want to turn there. Luke 18, we get the, a picture of a rich young ruler. And a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. You know what is said. Um, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, all of that stuff. And, and the rich young ruler was really excited. And he said, you know what? Like, I've done all of those since I was a little baby, since I was a little boy. I must be good. And then Jesus looks at him, and I love this. He says, looks at him, and he was moved with love for him. Because that's always Jesus' heart, his love for us. Moved with love, he challenged him, and he said, good, now go sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and then come follow me. Pretty much he was telling this uh, rich young ruler to, to give up everything and follow Jesus. Commit his whole life to following Jesus. And it said that the young ruler, rich young ruler, walked away sad because he had great wealth. Picture that. You're face to face with Jesus. Jesus is inviting you into a relationship where you give up everything and you follow him in, into this life-giving relationship. This young man is face to face with Jesus and he walks away. It's like, oh, heartbreaking. And the disciples, or then Jesus says, you know, it's going to be hard for, for those with wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples asked Jesus, they said, you know, well, then who can be saved? And then Jesus says this, he's looking at his disciples and he says this verse in Luke 18, verse 27. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. We have a God. We have a Father in heaven. If we're followers of Jesus, we have a Father in heaven that we can boldly go to. A Father who turns the impossible into the possible. And there's so many times that he's done that. Let me go back to Genesis 12. Abraham. He appears to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Um, you're going to leave your father's, or you're leave your, your, your home and you're just going to go follow me. Like, I will, go, I will lead you, I'll tell you where to go, and you're going to become a great nation. And Abraham's like, okay, that's great, that's awesome. How is that going to happen? Because we are old. My wife and I are old. And so, but he sets out and he trusts the Lord. In Hebrews, it says that they were as good as dead, which I always laugh when I, I, I hear that passage. Like, Abraham and his wife were as good as dead. Like, that's how old they were. But yet God moved powerfully. This is not a message about old age, by the way. Um, God moved powerfully and they had a son. And then from there, just this morning I was reading in, in the beginning of Numbers. And all of a sudden it goes from Abraham to the nation of Israel. And in Numbers there's 600,000 people. God turned the impossible into the possible. I mean, we think of, of um, the Israelites leaving Egypt. And they come across the Red Sea and, and there's the Red Sea and they have to cross it and their enemies are behind them and Moses is leading the way. All of a sudden this, this situation seemed impossible and God speaks to Moses and he says, lift up your staff and then you're going to see the Red Sea part. And sure enough, he lifts it up 
And all of a sudden, the Red Sea parts, they walk across on dry ground, and their, their enemies come in after them, and the water crumbles over them. The impossible situation becomes possible. David and Goliath, here's a little boy coming across to Goliath. The enemies of Israel, taunting Israel. No one could fight Goliath. And David goes, and, he's, and, he, and he looks at him, and he says, how dare you, you come against the name of the Lord? And I've come in the name of the Lord, and I'm going to defeat you. <clears throat> and this story is not about us conquering our giants. It's all about God coming to the rescue of his people and being the Savior. An impossible situation. People freaked out. I would dare say that they were losing faith in, in, the, in the, uh, the, the power of God. And David comes in, and God works through David. And the impossible becomes the possible as he takes a little slingshot, and he flings it at Goliath's head, and he falls down. Story after story, you see Jesus' life comes across impossible situation after impossible situation. Lepers, those who were demonized, those who were near death, those who, were who had died. And he steps into the situation, God with flesh on, and he lays a hand on them, and all of a sudden the impossible becomes possible. And then towards the end of his life, here on earth, there he is on the cross, with our sin on his shoulders, and he dies. And people looked at that and, and looked at him and said, oh, our hope, we, we put our hope in him. We thought he was the one to, to, to transform the world, to change the world. And they walk away from Jerusalem, all hope is lost, an impossible situation. And we know how the story goes. Three days later, he conquers sin and death and walks out of the grave. The impossible becomes the possible. And then I think of impossible situations and I think of all of you, like all of us. You know, at one time we were separated from God. One time we were far off. One time we were objects of wrath. One time we were you know, consumed with sin and evil desires in our own heart. But God moved into your life and my life, even when we didn't have a clue about who he was and what he wanted to do in our lives. He moved in our hearts and in our lives long before we opened up our lives to him. Transforming an impossible situation into a possible situation, all by his grace and all by his love, chasing after you and I. We have a God who... As a master, as a master in transforming the impossible into the possible. And I have to ask us this morning is, do we believe it? Do we allow that to totally transform our lives? Not just in our minds as we go about our days, but in our hearts. As we look at situations, as we look at debit cards that are lost. It's like, okay, God, you can provide that. You can, you can, you can reveal it to us. And I know I keep joking about that, but like in the small things, do we believe that God can transform the impossible into the possible? Into the big things, do we believe that God can transform the impossible into the possible? In situations in your family, you know, maybe there's a, a broken relationship in your family. And you've been praying and praying and praying. I mean, Jeremy, you're talking about your brother. You know, I know your brother. Like, like that situation. Like, we have to believe that God can transform the impossible situation, the, the separation that exists between your brother into a beautiful relationship. I mean, do we believe that? Do we believe that those who are, are living their life right now, totally far off from God, that God, just like he did with Saul in Acts 9, that he can reach into their lives and pull them out and rescue them? I mean, do we believe that there is no person that is too far gone for the, the, the gospel to reach them? Do we believe it in here? Yes, but do we believe it more importantly in here where it transforms our actions day in and day out? You know, there's doubts that I have, things that I wrestle with. You know, I, I, I pray this and I, and I truly believe this, but I'm like, God, I want to see revival happen here in West Michigan. 
I want to see many people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. I want to see like a total transformation of lives. But I'm like, God, I've seen it like little glimpses, but I want to see so much more. And I'm challenging myself, even as I'm sharing that this morning, I'm like, do I believe that God can do that, turn an impossible situation into the possible? Do I believe that like, there's broken relationships in my life? There's things that, that, that just leave me with a pit in my stomach. I'm like, God, do I believe that you can turn that impossible situation into the possible? And I do believe that he can and that he wants to. But how do we live in light of that? How do we live not just believing with our minds, but in our hearts and with our actions that God can turn the impossible into the possible? And I believe there's two things that I just quickly want to highlight. The first thing is in that story about the rich young ruler, right before that, Jesus shares this, and he says this in Luke 18, verses 15 through 17. It says, now, they were, they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. So picture that. All these kids are coming to Jesus. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to them, them to him, saying, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I mean, twice in just a couple of verses, Jesus says, like, you have to become like a child. Not childish in your behavior, but like a child, having that faith of a child. That's why I love the story about Zane and wanted to bring him up. Like, here he is, he believed that he could do it. And I wonder, like, could the same happen? Or I think the same should happen with us in our lives. When it comes to the Lord, to have a faith like, God, you can do anything. I totally trust in you. I totally believe that you can do it. Do we have that childlike faith in our hearts? Do we believe that our daddy can do anything and knows all and sees all? And then the second thing, do we have that childlike faith, first of all? Like, really have that childlike belief? And then secondly, are we willing to say like Mary... I'm your servant. I'll do whatever. I love that. Like Luke 1, verse 38. Mary's response to the angel saying, nothing's impossible with God. And I love this. And it hits me every Christmas. She says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary, a teenager, fully willing to be the Lord's servant. Here I am, completely available to you, whatever you want to do through me. And there were a lot of things that she would have to endure. All of a sudden, people would see that she's pregnant with a child, and the questions would start coming. The conversations would be happening. Mary, they saw that she had, was with a child and she hadn't been married to Joseph yet. She could have been killed for that. And all of a sudden, she had to endure so much just to be faithful to do what the Lord asked her to do. Are you, am I, willing to say like Mary, I'm your servant. I don't care about the ridicule. I don't care about what people are going to say. I don't care about what people are going to think. I just want to please you, God. Somebody shared with me, shared this with me years ago. And he said this, he goes, Dave, at the end of the day, someone will always be unhappy with you. Someone will always be unhappy with you. Just make sure it's not God. And I know, let me just... Put a disclaimer out there. God's happy with us because of Jesus. We don't earn our approval. But I know there are things that he asks us to do 
things he asks us to say. He's inviting us into a deeper relationship with him and saying, will you trust me? And my challenge to us is, will we be that Lord's servant? Will we just live every day saying, I just want to please you, my Father who rescued me through his Son, Jesus. So where do you need to be obedient? Where do you need to step out in faith? Where do you need to even have that, that faith of a child kindled in your heart? Are there things that, that you need to do this week? Maybe conversations that you need to have. Are you, are you listening to that prompt of the Holy Spirit and just stepping out in obedience and saying, okay, I'm going to do that? I want to see the impossible become possible. And I believe that God can do it. But he works through his body. He works through all of us. And so I just wanted to, to pray and then just sing a song and, and then we'll continue with our, our day. But um, I just want to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts giving us that childlike faith and leading us this week. So Father, that's our prayer. That is our prayer. Father, would, would, you just, would you just fill us with the faith of a child? And even as I think about that, I, I, I pray that we would have that faith of a child, but that we would um, not be childish, engaging in sinful behavior. And so we pray that we would turn from that, but God, that we would trust you completely. In every area of our lives, even those areas where we're trying to control and trying to figure out ourselves, God, that, that we would today just trust you more and more. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with faith today. And God, I also ask that you would fill us with a boldness today to be obedient, no matter the cost. I pray against this um, unhealthy tie to the world and wanting to please the world. Just that desire to, to be right in other people's eyes. God, I pray that you break that off. And I pray that, that our only desire today would be like Mary to say, we're your servants. Do whatever. And so we're praying, God, that you would work in powerful ways. We believe. Help our unbelief. God, we long to see the impossible become possible. We long to see your kingdom come in powerful, powerful ways. And so we ask that you would work through us, that you would work in us. All for your glory, Jesus.